We're back to Neil Haley's show on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program actor David Bianchi. David, thanks for calling. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. I'm doing well, doing well. All right. So how are you surviving, I guess, quarantine times six? Meaning it just seems like we continue to be in this process of trying to finally fight this coronavirus and, and socially distance and uh, all that. How are you dealing with it? Um, I mean, I guess I'm dealing with it uh, to the best of my ability. I've always been a really creative guy. So, you know, I really think that some people are going to, you know, sit on their hands and wait for people to create opportunities for them. And then other people are just going to be embryonic and create opportunities, you know, within the walls of whatever you're dealing with. So, you know, this this period for me has been really embryonic. I mean, obviously, living in Los Angeles, we're sort of moving backwards in terms of the numbers and the increase in COVID. So it seems like Hollywood and film and TV aren't coming back anytime soon. So that's forced me to be creative. And so as a result of that, I've been producing my own projects and um, it's been a shift, um, yeah, but yeah. I, I, I remain grateful, you know? Yeah. And you know, it's, uh, um, you know, um, it's something where we think, well, we're going to get back to this, our normal thing and we're not, and then we have to be creative. And that, David, that's a great point you made. I mean, I've expanded a lot of things. I've been doing a lot more uh, zoom interviews for television purposes. And then sometimes not, but also I'm, I'm, you know, becoming more creative with Canva doing different things that uh, trying new and different things because of where we're at. It's a different environment. How do we become more efficient? How do we make sure that we can once, uh, this is finally over, be able to really expand things. So it really makes you start thinking about things. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that, you know, everybody is well aware that we are getting through this. It's happening. And so for, you know, my purposes, I've just been developing projects. You know, how am I going to come out of this sharper than I was before, you know, before we started? And, uh, you know, as a result of that, I basically completely re-engineered my YouTube channel. I've been releasing a lot of leadership and motivational videos. I've also been, you know, uh, developing and producing um, high concept spoken word films, which is something that I just do artistically by trade anyways, and, and also developing a streaming series. So um, doing the things that we can do when everybody is sort of sitting at their desks and staring at the television screens or at the respective computer monitors, you know, how, how can we sort of be ready to fly out of the gate when that gate opens up? All right. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's basically we, we continue uh, the, to try to do what we need to do. So give us an update. Let's talk about, first of all, how did you become an actor? Tell us the story. Well, I mean, it's, uh, I guess I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, you know, I, I, I was acting out TV commercials on a swing set when I was a kid, and that goes all the way back as far as second grade. So I was doing improv, I was doing improv work before I knew what improv was. You know, we would, you know, just basically, you know, play out these scenes for each other. Um, and I, through elementary and high school, I was always involved in theater, but I didn't really decide to do it professionally until I was in, you know, my early 20s. I had, I, I reached a point um, as an entrepreneur, I was actually producing electronic events, rave parties back in upstate New York. And, um, that sort of that came to a crash you know i basically you know lost my pocket on it and i said well how can i reinvent myself and i looked back at the analog of my life and i said well i've always i've always liked to be an actor i was on theater 
in high school. So I then from there went to uh, theater school at Arizona State University. Um, I trained under a guy named Marshall Mason who has four Tony Awards for his work on Broadway. He's one of the living uh, legendary directors. Um, and then uh, graduated magna cum laude from there. And then I moved to Los Angeles thinking LA was waiting for me. And unbeknownst to me, oh boy, was I wrong. You know, <laughs> I landed there with an air mattress, you know, a computer in the back seat. I slept on the floor with cockroaches in the kitchen, oh, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't have a blanket. One of my most vivid memories is laying on this air mattress and wearing three shirts and two pairs of pants. And I bunched up my dirty clothes in a ball and I slept on a floor in Silver Lake. And that was my introduction to, to Hollywood. You know, I, I wasn't born, I didn't, I didn't land this thing through nepotism or any sort of extreme contacts that were going to like leverage me along the way. So, you know, I, I think that the, the underlying metaphor is what I often say, which is whenever we go into something, we go into it knowing that we're going to attack the island and burn the boat. You know, there was no turning back for me. Um, and so it, I got my SAG card, you know, doing extra work. And I did extra work for two or three years to sort of make ends meet. And I was a waiter and I was a bartender. I did all those things, those stereotypical things that you hear about, you know, knowing that my purpose is still on its way. And so flash forward to where I am now, um, you know, now over 100 professional film and television credits yeah, later. And for sure. And, um, you know, currently, uh, you know, major recurring on season four, Queen of the South, which just dropped on Netflix uh, June 6th. So, you know, um, it, it really is something that I just knew that I had what it took and there was nothing that was going to stop me. And still to this day, there's nothing that's going to stop me from getting where I want to go. OK, so basically let's kind of uh, jump into specifically uh, Queen of the South. Tell us about your character. Sure. Um, the character I play is named Manny. Um, he's basically, he's, 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 Alice Braga plays the Queen of the South and she is an incredible human being inside and out. Uh, actress, uh, philanthropist, just overall, just wonderful spirit. Uh, her number one is Hemke Madera who plays Bote. And then there are two other guys, two other henchmen that sort of work under Hemke, under Bote's. And so I'm one of his guys. So I'm basically driver, gunslinger, um, you know, narco runner, uh, that sort of guy. But I'm grateful for that because um, I was able to, I was cast as a Mexicano. And I was raised in Mexico City for five years, so I speak Spanish natively. Um, and I'm entirely grateful to the producers of Queen of the South because they were brave enough um, and progressive enough to cast an ethnically ambiguous person as a Mexican and say, look, this is the reality, not the perception that's created in Hollywood. The perception that's created in Hollywood is that if you are Latino, you are Eurocentric with olive skin. You're not brown skin and ethically ambiguous, right? And so as a result of them being brave enough to say, no, he's a great actor and he can do this. And he's native in Spanish speaking. Yes, let's cast him as that. And them also knowing that 10% of the Mexican population is Afro-Mexican. And so I'm entirely grateful to, to them. And I'm also grateful for the diversity push that's happening in Hollywood right now, where we are sort of starting to create TV and film that looks more and more like what yes. our world looks like, you know? Yeah, and and that's the the nice thing about this the show is, uh, and I got to speak with her before, Alicia before, and she was unbelievable. I've had her on my show, so it's really a great show, David, and it's it's just something that uh, you got to be excited about having one of those shows that kind of will start to show your talent and open up other doors for other opportunities. 
Absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's that old sort of paradigm. Everybody wants to act like they're doing something new, but nobody really wants to step into it until they see what the neighbors are doing. Right. And Hollywood operates the same way. You know, there are so many people, thousands of actors in this town that have an incredible amount of talent, but just haven't had the opportunities to be able to create the resume and have the pedigree so that casting can look at you and say, yeah, I think he or she can handle it. So, you know, as a result of the work that came before Queen of the South, Queen looked at me and said, yeah, he's a great actor. And he's got the credits that show that he can carry, you know, a job of this kind of pressure, this kind of weight. And so moving forward with the bigger and bigger jobs that are already coming ahead of me, um, you know, Queen of the South will also, you know, create a cemented foundation to prove to producers and casting directors that, yes, David can handle, you know, series regular lead man. He can, you know, he can be the archetype or we, we can we can trust that he's going to suit up and show up and he's going to deliver a great performance every time. And, and just like even in your business in radio, you yeah, know, you sort of yeah, you, need, you, you, you build you need those yeah, yeah, you need those notches exactly like uh, yeah. like I've had before. Before I understand exactly what you're talking about from when I started ten years ago. Well, I got a couple big celebrities, but once I get a bunch, it's like simple, it's easy, and then right. the next one comes, and then the reputation comes and say, oh yeah, he's great, we'll come, and then then it's like simple. And like I'm working yeah. on Brett Favre, which will be an unbelievable opportunity to get to talk to him in August. And just because I'm such a huge NFL fan and you think of Brett and you think of, you know, one of the, the best comeback Kings, one of the biggest characters uh, in, in the NFL. So you get the opportunity oh, wow. to talk to certain stars like that. And you're like, wow, awestruck and awestruck. And it just all depends. And I, and some people ask me, who did I, who was like the biggest person I've ever interviewed? And I just can't, it's hard. It's, it's really hard because some of them just were such interesting ones. And then other ones are like, eh, you know, and uh, I don't have a favorite. It's like my 10,000 children, not, not 10,000, but I've interviewed about 2000 plus uh, celebrities out of my 6,000 interviews I've done in my career in 10 years. And it's just, everyone's interesting. Everyone's a story. And that's what's the fun thing about it. And you just, you're right. You got to get, you got to get your feet wet. You got to get bigger ones. And then, before you know it, the next opportunity. What do you think you're known for from Queen of the South? Uh, what other projects would you say? Because again, this is the funny thing, David, about promoting now is we got to go back and find things on Netflix, Amazon, or different things to watch people's projects because there's not lots of new things coming up. It's good you have Queen of the South, but a lot of things are stopped. A lot of things yeah. are not repeats. So what are other projects we could check you out in too? Well, I mean, if you want to see, uh, I, I did a few, I did a quick three episode run on a show called Insatiable, which is on Netflix. Um, I just recently, uh, two days ago, I had an episode of, uh, of season seven of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that just dropped, um, where I got to also, you know, be a Latino and all my dialogue was in Spanish there. Um, there's a really, really cool sort of funky uh, art house dark comedy called All Out Dysfunction. And that's a project that I wrote and produced and played one of the leads on. And that one, uh, got released on Hulu, but I think now it's still on Apple TV. Um, and you can, you can definitely find that on YouTube, on YouTube Red. It's called All Out Dysfunction. And that's a dark, you know, adult zany comedy. I mean, sex, drugs, rock and roll, <laughs> rave parties, you know, you name it. Um, and it's funny. It's, it's, it's wildly entertaining. In fact, uh, in that movie is also uh, Geraldine Viswanathan, who is, you know, just really, really crushing it. I mean, she's had major temple theatrical releases. And it's always interesting to see and, and also talk about, you know, the origin story, you know, what came before all that. I mean, you can catch me on MacGyver. You can catch me on Westworld, you can catch me on uh, the last ship. Um, you know, going back years and years and years. You know, um, 
sort of thinking about the lineage of so many great actors. I didn't even think about George Clooney, for example. You know, he was always the guy. He was the walk-on king. He had a million co-star, guest-starring, and then reoccurring roles until, you know, he landed an incredible pilot called ER. Yeah. No, no, exactly. And everything everything was, you know, Haley's Comet from there. And, um, And I love thinking about the origin story, and thank you for asking about mine, because that's the stuff that's interesting. Yo, you know, yeah, uh, that's the stuff that is. The no, and then, and, and, and I like start talking to people, and I wish I could have like you know just a a live morning show just with celebrities to just kind of BS with them. You know what I mean? And like talk about yeah. what's your favorite? What are you binge watching right now, David? I was doing this with a celebrity on Friday, and I'm like, okay, especially when I don't have a co-host, I can come up with really what are you binging right now? Mm. I'm telling you right in this particular COVID, the coolest show that I saw. I still stand through it. I've watched a bunch. Is a show called Zero 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 on Amazon Prime. Okay. Uh, that that show's bananas. Like it makes, and I love Narcos. I love that show. But this show makes Narcos look like child's play. Really? I mean, it, oh, is, it is just it's it's dark. It's gritty. It's well executed. The music, the tone, the performances, the writing. I mean, it's just it's compelling from from the word go. Now, if you like dark, you know, international narco sort of shows, then it's definitely up your alleyway. And if you want to watch something funny, I had a great time uh, binging Fleabag. I, um, I'm in the middle of binging Search Party right now. Okay. Um, you know, um, so there's a lot of great shows out there. And, I, and when I'm loose, I love, I love Big Mouth. I mean, Big Mouth on Netflix is effing hilarious. See, I have to look at these ones because I'm not hitting those. I just finished... Uh... I, I, I'm, I've been, I watched 13 reasons why it's the last season. Uh, I'm trying to think about that. Yeah, it was, I, they really did a great job. I had, I ended up having one of the stars, the new ones from uh, 13 reasons why on my show, but I've had the other ones from NBC, but I'm thinking now specifically, I just finished Jeffrey Epstein. That was interesting. That was really interesting to watch his life and, you know, yeah. the documentary on that on Netflix and, uh, and Amazon. Well, Tiger. Oh, I've already, already watched Tiger King, man. Come on. Up. I ended I mean, up inter- I interviewed the lady from PETA on Tiger King and I'm connected with uh with Carol Baskin on LinkedIn. I'm hoping to get that interview. I, I don't know with the whole, whole thing. That would be yeah. Well, well, she, well she uh she just got duped. She got duped pretty bad. Uh, by a couple of uh, uh, YouTube spoof guys that were basically like they were they were standing in as I think as Jimmy Fallon and what they did was they basically uh, scissored a bunch of his dialogue and created fabricated sentences to confuse her into believing that she was actually on his show virtually. Oh no. So got, oh yeah, it's all over the internet. She got burned real bad. So I uh, good luck with that one. But you know that show was fast. That that, that docu series is fascinating. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't turn away from it. Exactly. I mean, it was just exactly. It was just such a wild parallel reality. Uh, I, I I just. It just baffled the mind that there are people right. out there that live those lives. And I just watched Hannah season two. Uh, I really liked it again. She, that's pretty good on Amazon. Um, Hannah's mm-hmm. awesome. And uh, See, just, I like, yeah. I like Hannah. I like Hannah the feature. I didn't really care for. I thought that the show was a little, little too poppy and a little too melodramatic for me because the original feature that the show. Really? Was based I didn't on, know that was, there was a feature. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the the feature Hannah. That's what the show is based on. Really? That is, oh. That's compelling and really sophisticated. But the show, I was actually really excited about the show because I was such a fan of, of the feature. But uh, when I saw the show, I got through about episode three and I was like, mm, you got to yeah. keep watching it because the second season was pretty. 
bad. I, I liked it. So again, we'll see what happens if they, you know, if they brought it back, who knows? Right. Uh, yeah. You never know. They might be calling you for season three. Watch you, out. Listen, you, watch you out. never, you, ne- you <laughs> never know, you know, and, and speaking of being creative, like, look, even though production isn't happening, producers are still asking, you know, us to audition and look, yeah, for anybody that's out there, like, don't get it twisted. Unless you are like top 99 percentile, maybe 98 percentile of actors, you're auditioning, you know, um, you know, about about 97 percent of actors, you know, depending on what level of your career, you're, you know, you're submitting self tapes and you're auditioning for jobs. If it's a series regular or if it's a, you know, number one, number three, four or five on a call sheet, which basically three, four or five on the totem pole, um, you know, we're submitting tapes because producers, they want to have those roles cast when they're able to say go we're back into production it's literally going to be it's interesting because we're in this period where we're just kind of like sitting insecure about what's going to happen but once hollywood really kicks back up it's just going to be a slingshot people are going to be on airplanes left and right we're just going to be going all over just like you know chasing the circus again all right okay i mean such great information we're gonna i'm gonna have to go back just to listen to everything you've talked about david to get on my list of different shows to watch but uh latest projects definitely queen of the south but anything else uh other projects you can talk about or you gotta wait on this well there's i know there's a couple there's a couple of things that are coming up around the bend i also have a production company called exertion films and so i i produce independent features and i'm just finishing up a movie called catalyst uh that i am one of the writers producers on um and that one we're actually finishing post-production literally as as we speak and so you know COVID has actually been a really interesting time to get through post-production because you can get talented people that aren't very busy right now um so that is coming soon um as far as additional projects, I mean, my, my most recent episode of, of, of Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. that just dropped a couple of days ago, and now we're in a production vacuum, you know? We're literally in a production vacuum where right now there's nothing being made and there's, and people are hungry for content. You know, obviously, you know, people are starting to, you know, re-binge their old shows and rewatch reruns because there's nothing coming out, All right. which is a really, really wild time. Awesome. All right, so best place we can find info on you and stuff, Dave, where can we go? Um, if you want to take a look at me, if you are on Instagram, uh, David Bianchi underscore official, um, you can find me there. If you guys are interested in messages of leadership, empowerment, motivation, go to my YouTube channel. Um, I will light a fire under your ass every day. And there's also some really high powered uh, spoken word films. I produce high concept spoken word films that have social themes to them. And that's YouTube backslash David Bianchi. I mean, anywhere else you could just Google me. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to talk to your audience and uh you know and um you yeah know, well you definitely you're going to come back again david don't worry i have to we'll have to figure out specifically a topic or a different thing because you really could be a great co-host as well david i should pull <laughs> oh, i start pulling that. different celebrities and say okay david with all my audience let's go let's go to your rolodex who do you want to interview right and we yeah. could do it <laughs> and it, would, it, like a lot of fun. it would be fun all right thanks again for calling appreciate it man absolutely man. all right bye bye you listen to neil haley's show and we'll be back in just a moment we're back to Neil Haley's show on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program. And uh, we're going to talk about Baby Blue, Shaqu- Shaquita Smith. Shaquita, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am doing awesome. Let's talk about first. Take us back. Did you always want to be involved in acting and entertainment? Was that something you wanted to do growing up? 
Yes, most definitely. I started when I was a little girl. Um, I actually snuck into a high school uh, class. I was a freshman. And I've been on that journey ever since as an actor. So it's pretty good. <laughs> and that journey is always a process, right? The next story. Where are we going next in, in acting? When did you know that I'm going to make this a career? Because at first we get involved in it and we think, hey, you know, this is something I'm doing, but I'm doing something else. When did it kind of say, okay, I'm going to make this a career? In, honestly, in high school, actually. Um, I, I, I was in theater classes and I went to some, um, like some high school competitions and I just really, really loved it. And I think really when I was a senior in, in high school, I said, this is, what I want to do for the rest of my life. And ever since then, I, w I went to college, full scholarship in, in theater. And then after that, I, I, I moved to Atlanta. And I really, really, really got it professionally um, when it came to film back in 2000. I would have to say 2013, where I really, really, really honed into network projects and independent projects. And I said, you know what? This is a little different. But I just love it. I love everything about it. And that's, and you say it's, it's there. So tell us about what would you consider your big break in this, in this industry? My big break. Wow. <laughs> My big break. I mean, I love NCIS New Orleans. Um, right. You know, working with, uh, I mean, Scott Dacula. I mean, he's so iconic. Oh, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I loved interviewing him. That, that's on my list because of just the, my favorite show so that he was in. So yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say iconically, I, I, I love, that was my first role really playing alongside, alongside someone of, of that magnitude. It's just phenomenal. And um, Baby Blue, I, lo I love Baby Blue. Firstly, really, really honing into um, a network and have something that I can really speak about. So those two projects I really love. All right. Let's kind of, okay, let's go right to it and uh, break down the experience. Tell us about Baby Blue, first of all. Like, what's the premise of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, um, Baby Blue is about a first-time mother that is dealing with postpartum depression. And oh, wow. it taps us into this world where she's spiraling out of control. And this, and this film is really, really, really um, important to women that are dealing with postpartum depression or is thinking about having a child. So... Yeah, that's what the film is about. Wow, and that's really a, a hard topic to look at because especially uh, once a woman already has the baby, everyone has the blues, but it can get far worse than that. Uh, you know, it can, yeah. And, and how do you make sure as a family this doesn't happen? And this film seems like that's going to bring to light how there's warning signs and yet people still don't want to look at the mental health concerns of these things. Like you're talking about postpartum depression. You talk about PTSD. You talk about specific right. uh, anxiety, uh, panic attacks. The problem is we have not as a society figured out how to have the right resources available to help people and not make them feel like they're nothing and less than and not I tough. Agree. Right. All right. And here's the thing, you know, postpartum depression, it, people, women go through it, and it's, it's normal. But what we've learned is that a lot of women feel like they're weak, they're broken, that 
you know, they're ashamed. And with even with this particular film, you know, I'm playing a woman that is a TV journalist who has everything put together. She she feels perfect. But when she has this particular, you know, when she has this child, it is now in that space of her feeling like now I don't have everything in my life together. Everything is not perfect. And that's, and that's where, you know, the struggle, the, the vulnerability and, and, and so many complex of your emotions come out or she speaks out. Yeah, no, that's uh, that it's it, you're you're so right about that. Now, tell me about the your character first of all. Then I want to get involved in how Kim Fields is involved in this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I said, you know, with with um, Ebony Ebony Tate, like I said, she is you know a TV journalist who handles all of these. You know, these she, she's amazing. She's beautiful. She's talented, and she just want to be a great mother but in the end you know she's looking for that validation of her wanting to be a great mother and handling that we see that through the lens you know of Kim Fields <laughs> and what was reason Kim wanted to bring this to life she wanted to bring this to life because these this particular story or this topic doesn't get told in the media right you know we 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 see so, you know, we, we, we hear about it, you know, we know about it, but there's, there's never a film or we don't know of a, a particular project where it show a woman going through a mental illness of, that, of this magnitude and how does this person get out of it? How does this person manage it? What does it look like? You know, and she also wanted to show how real it is and how authentic it, it, it can be. And that's an important part of it. So when can people check this out? When is it going to be on? Yeah. So you, yeah, definitely. You can check this, this film out July 25th at 9 PM on BT her. That that's great. And, uh, how excited are mm -hmm. you to be able to tune in? Are you gonna be live tweeting? Are you gonna be doing anything special for when yes, it, yes, yes, yes. I, I will be live tweeting on um, on BT. I will be speaking, doing a little speaking engagements as well beforehand. So I'm I'm really really excited. One, I'm a, I'm gonna give you a little little uh, secret. I, I've never been a mother, so this is beautiful to watch to see me embody a role that um, expresses. Uh, expresses um, Ebony to, to her, full, full, her full potential. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it because I haven't seen it yet and I want to see. See, that's the great thing. Yeah. And you'll get to see it. Are you again having a, a little party with your family to watch this? Yes, I am. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. So I'll be going down there with my family so we all can watch it together. Wow. And it's funny, my uh, one co-host was supposed to jump on to interview with you and he is from, he's in, he lives in Alabama. So interesting kind of connections in all those ways, but it's tremendous what you're doing. Any other, and I think the one thing I was reading up that I didn't ask, you guys filmed this during the pandemic. I thought that's not, oh that, can't, that, can't, that can't be done. Tell us about that. I'm interested in hearing that. Yeah, I think everyone needs to hear that because I'm really concerned as a binge watcher, what the heck I'm going to do now? When there's no new shows 
right? Am I going to go right. back that three years or I'm going to go back and say, is there really something on Netflix? Or I guess I'm going to have to go look at all my people I've interviewed and go back and watch their old stuff. Like Eric Roberts was cracking me up today. He's like talking about <laughs> movies I've never seen. Well, may I have to go right, watch them? Right. All right, but go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 of course, yeah, um, and that's one of the biggest concerns for anybody in the entertainment industry, especially well, hey, I, shooting. Trust me, <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah, but, you know, I know SAG, Screen Actors Guild, um, you know, they're, they're always looking at, you know, ways to make sure that we are all protected by any means necessary, and also production, and so there are rules and regulations that in place you know you have to be quarantined for 14 days you have to make sure that you wear your mask at all times there is you know someone t um, taking a uh, temperature checks every single time that you go on set you know there is you know when you're getting your makeup done the makeup artist is, is, is having on masks so it's like they are really making sure that they're they're very careful and that everybody that that steps up on set has been checked for COVID-19 and that they are not um, you know, uh, that they, they, they have it. And so that makes me feel really, 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 really great. Um, and then also to, you know, where you're led, where are you staying on set? You know, are you having a, a actual place or like those, those logistics are, are on, you know, the rules and regulations, especially when you're, you're in production. So, um, and, and I think that's going to be the new norm you know, until we get a vaccine for this, this COVID-19, you know, I mean, yeah, COVID. Exactly. Um, agree. Going, yeah. going forward, you know? So, so it's like, I would rather be safe than sorry. And I know a lot of, a lot of actors currently right now is itching to, to, you know, be on set. And if we can find a great, um, alternative, safe way. Yeah, right. Yeah. Where was this film? Where, where did you guys film this? Yeah. So we, we shot, um, in Maryland, Washington, yeah, Maryland as well. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! Okay, Maryland. So, yeah, so, so, so if the if the if the athletes can do it, why can't you? And LA is the biggest thing keeping everything stop because LA is not going to allow mm -hmm. anything, right? That's what you're hearing, right? right? So it's like other projects, mm -hmm. other places. So there are places still doing production. It just California's pretty much shut down to do any acting. Is that correct? Is that what you've been hearing? Right. Yeah, I've, I've heard, but there is also, like I said, they're they're quarantining, you know, at least two weeks prior. Um, I know Tyler Perry. I have a good friend of mine who is on a Tyler Perry project, who's series regular, and Tyler Perry is having them quarantined for at least five or six days before they shoot. Um, but they're quarantining at the studio. But see, so Tyler Perry's choosing to do it, as other people are choosing to do it. But then I've been hearing from my L.A. friends, they're not even doing anything in L.A. So maybe I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was saying okay. you slow down production of bigger shows, not bigger shows, but bigger productions of the big networks that are shooting in New York and L.A. That kind of throws a different monkey wrench into to people in auditions, agents, everything. And so that's right. going to be the that's my concern. Like certain shows like Stranger Things, I heard it's not going to be filmed till like shot to like 2021 or it, these are things just making me like, Oh, I got to become creative and picking my next binge. <laughs> okay. I'm going to ask you a question real quick. What are you binging yeah. right now? I am binging. Oh my God. You're going to kill me. I, <laughs> I've been watching daredevil, even though I know daredevil has been out forever, Okay, but I, I don't, I don't think I've ever, um, that I've ever watched it back, I think it was 2016, 17, 18, I think 2018. So I watched all of the season and I got so hooked 
I got so hooked with the acting, with everything. So Daredevil, um, I also, I, I mean, Ozark, obviously. Oh, I love Ozark. Ozark. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Season two was, the, season three was better than se- the other two seasons. That's my take on Ozark. You, you- think so? Oh my gosh, the way it finished off. And I heard now they're going to only make it like a real short thing and that's it. And then they're done. Did you hear about that too? Oh, that, wow. Yeah. See, look at me. I'm, I'm not trying to be this entertaining at people, but I just hear these. I, I read these things on Facebook or different, you know, but no, I thought right. the ant season three was awesome. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that. Like I was disappointed yeah. with like glow season three. I didn't like, I like season one and two of glow. I don't know if you've ever watched glow. No, I haven't watched that. I have to, I have to double check that too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm just uh, but I one of the, so I was blown. I liked Ozark. Um, I I just finished up season two of Hannah on Amazon, and that's really oh, good. Was, yeah, that's really, that really good. Is. Yeah, see, I do all my social media work and all my client work at night binge watching. So I binge watched The Sopranos for the first time just last year. And I was able to have uh, oh, wow. some really big stars on after that and then telling them about The Sopranos and they laugh at me. You just watched The Sopranos? So I don't know if you ever watched The Sopranos, but it's one of the biggest binge-watching shows in the pandemic, building all these new fans. It's crazy. No, uh, so yes. I'll have to watch Daredevil. i am got to finish up Bosch now because I was watching a little bit of it and then got kind of preoccupied and then jumped to other shows and now i got to go back to Bosch. Season four of Strange, I'm, I'm sorry, of uh, for 13 Reasons Why was really interesting as well. I had one of the newer characters oh, yeah. on my show, and I loved him. He was a great guy, and uh, I had to go watch it. So that's the other thing that keeps me going is I might watch it if I've interviewed somebody in it. You know, so I'll have to. So, so how do you? So to keep up with BET, because I've had a, a bunch of different stars on BET. Let me be you be the promoter for BET as we're going to say goodbye. Now, how do we catch up with certain shows on BET? Where do we go? Well, yeah, so you can, they have an app as well. Go figure. They, they created an app a year ago, um, and it's BET Plus. So you can, you know, actually go on your phone if you, you know, have the applications to download it. And then you can also, they have two, two networks, which is BET and then BET um, Her. So if you can go on those, you can actually find any of the projects and um, be happy to, to watch it, you know. And I'm on I'm a Netflix bluff too, so um, I I, um, I know you start talking about uh, Amazon. You know, I like Netflix. Amazon too, but you got to talk about all these things because you never know when you're gonna get that yeah, pickup exactly. and you're gonna you're gonna get an uh, audition to one of these big shows, right? Or never exactly. another another big opportunity. Now I interviewed Kim. Exactly. Kim is a sweetheart. I had her on my show about three or four years ago. I think about a book or something. How'd you like working with her? Did you enjoy that? Oh, yeah, she's she's so sweet. Um, she she's really artistic. You know, she has such a beautiful vision. And one thing that she told me before we actually start shooting, she said, "Trust me, I will not stir you wrong." And before we shot, I said, "You know what? I'm going to trust you." Because sometimes actors are like, "Oh, okay. Well, I, I have my vision. I got this. I want to do this." But you know, when she said that, I said, "You know what?" I'm going to trust you. And, you know, right now, I mean, it's, it's, it's such beautiful. I trusted her every single way, especially, you know, me not being a woman that, you know, have been 
you know, have had a child, you know, from this particular story and knowing what the levels are. She she really, really, really directed so well. And, and I'm grateful. And now, you know, we're friends. <laughs> And that's the fun thing is the opportunities and all those different things. And uh, it's, it's great. Where can we connect with you? Best place, social media, follow you, all that. Where can we go? Exactly. No, and, for you, for you. you. Know, I, yeah, where can we hit you up social media? Where can we hit you up social media-wise? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You can hit me up on um, Shaquita underscore official on Instagram. Okay. So you're an Instagram person. Why not Twitter? I am. Why not? I haven't gotten into Twitter. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. But I, I am now since um, since this film um, Baby Blue is airing, and they're saying, "Oh, we got a live tweet." So I'm slowly but surely trying to find a niche in Twitter in the Twitter world. You got to because that's the best because that's immediate gratification. Instagram's too controlled by Facebook. Remember that Twitter, you ha you really can connect with your fans and have conversations. Instagram, in my opinion, again, limits your audience. Twitter doesn't. That's my tip for the day. <laughs> oh, thank you for letting me know that. I'm going to get more involved in Twitter. I just haven't figured it out yet. And I'm like, guess they're going to look at your followers, your engagement on Twitter more likely than Instagram, I think, for other auditioning opportunities, because that's what this okay. industry has become. It's not just... It's not just the most talent. Do you bring a fan audience right to them and th then we're going to use you in this project? And especially when in the COVID world, we got to try and uh, learn. One more thing, and I love this conversation because I uh, never get a chance to always ask every question because I, I, I have a lot of co-hosts. My last question for you today would be, what did you learn from the pandemic so far? We, we know we're not done yet. What did you learn? Yeah. You know what I learned? Okay. Stop stressing. Okay. That's I, I I learned to stop stressing, stop worrying, and to really be grateful for where you are. Um, I think a lot of times we are rushing so much. Like I feel like the world is so fast. We're doing things every single day. But during the pandemic, you had a chance to really stop and be still and really admire the things that, that's around you. And I got a chance to do things that I probably wouldn't have a chance to do. Skin regimens and face masks and, you know, uh, writing, reading a book and, you know, writing more scripts. And so it gave me a chance to really understand who I am and, and stop to think about, you know, things that I truly love. You know, and those are the things that I learned to continually to self-value, you know, self-love myself, you know, continually to do that. And that's, we all learn from different things. So I appreciate you stopping by and uh, best of luck and uh, continue to have fun binge watching so that when they ask you questions about certain shows, be like, oh yeah, that show's cool. I could be a character on that. That's going to be the whole process. Research, research, research and enjoy yourself and, uh, yeah. and you're welcome to come back next project. Okay. Sound good? Sounds good. Thank right. you, Neil. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. You listen to Neil Haley's show, and we'll Bye. be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley's show in the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program Grammy Award nominee, country music star, Lee Bryce. Lee, thanks for calling. <laughs> Billboard top uh, singer in many different aspects. Everything, Lee. Did you ever think that this was going to be your life when you started out in music? Yeah, you know... 
actually I did. I, I, when I came to Nashville, people ask me all the time. They're like, "Hey, you know, what do you? How do you do this?" And then like, you know, what was your backup plan? I'm like, well, there's one answer to both of those questions. It's like I came to Nashville with no backup plan. You know, I was like, this is what I'm going to do in some capacity, no matter what. So I expected it like in a in a offensive way. Like, you know what? I'm going to be on offense. I'm going to make this happen. You know, you got to expect to win a football game. You got to go in with that mentality, and uh, and so that's kind of how I did. And um, and uh, you know, I'm I'm blessed though, obviously, for all the things that have happened and success and all the things I've had. I'm just I count I count my blessings every day. But but um, I did come in with with the with the a- absolute expectations of making this happen. So, <laughs> well, it sounds it's been a long road though. It's been a long road though. You know, <laughs> what would you consider your big break, Lee? You know, I think when I came to town, um, I was very fortunate at that time because I met, I met someone who, within a couple of days, you know, they introduced me to really kind of the the brother slash like kind of you know big brother slash daddy figure slash. Then he ended up producing and we rode and he introduced me to everybody in town. He took me over to my first record label, which is still my record label. Um, that was the big break for me to me i mean meeting doug johnson who had run record labels and that kind of thing that was when i but i was so fortunate because when i very first came in town and even visited i met him and he said hey this is where you belong right now and i was in my fourth year of college i had a year to go and he's like man i don't know what your daddy's gonna say to this but this is where you're supposed to be right now so um that changed it all for me. And that was, uh, that was a confirmation for me to like, this is where I needed to be. Wow. And, uh, then the success, uh, the music, which song did you like say, this is really going to be a, a, a big one for me. And you, you know, I think, uh, you know, we had, we had, had a few songs out and, you know, we had top twenties and top thirties and like, you know, we were working hard for a few years and then a song came along called love like crazy. And I think that was, that was definitely the song, you know, it was our, actually it never went to number one, but it got to number two and it was the most played song of the year. It was the single of the year and it was up for song of the year. And it was, you know, it would just, it did everything that you wanted in a, in a, in a beginning of a career. So it really put us on the map, you know, it's a song called love like crazy. And, and, uh, to this day, people just, you know, they love that. That's what they wait to hear that song. And, uh, but luckily that put us on a path to be able to a couple of years later put out, you know, a record with uh, four number ones in a row and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, it, you know, it kind of put us on that map. It really did. Define your style of country music. Well, I mean, I, I grew up in a, a very diverse style of music from gospel all the way to straight to like Guns N' Roses and Pearl Jam okay. and like, you know, Eminem. But then everything else was daddy like me listening to Kenny Rogers and George Strait in Alabama and really country music and then I heard Garth Brooks and all of that kind of combined into one with him to me a little bit and uh so he was a really big influence on me so my music is you know a little bit of everything um soul and and gospel and country old school country and pop you know and I mean, uh, Bruno Mars is like, you know, I mean, I just, you know, he puts the stuff through the roof for me and, you know, John Mayer. And so there's little pieces of nuggets of things that I grew up listening to in all of my music. 
Uh, and then my live show is very energetic. It's kind of, I mean, I'm from the school of Garth, you know, so, yes. um, you know, I, I want to, I want people to leave there just like with no energy left. I want them to just go home going, man, not only we have a great time, but he like looked at me, you know, like we had a connection, you know, did you ever get a chance to collaborate with Garth? Uh, well, I wrote a song, uh, about my college girlfriend that he actually called me and he ended up recording and he put out as a single, and it became the first song in music history to debut at number one. So I didn't collaborate with him on that. Um, but, he, you know, we had a number – we put the song out on Monday, and we had a number one party on Friday. So that was pretty cool. And then I've been friends with him since, and he's had me – he just got the Gershon Award out of Washington. And uh, so I, he invited me to come play his awards induction. Oh, wow. So that was really, really cool, me and Kev Moe and um, – some other folks and it was it was really special so to make the relationship with a hero literally like the yeah. biggest hero that i have you know probably other than my daddy you know what i mean uh was really surreal for me to write a song and then he you know it debut debuts at number one when it came on the charge it was sitting at number one so pretty crazy do you ever hope to do a collaboration with garth yes i do and i mean i've you know it's like with somebody like that you're like i don't want to like I want to wait to the perfect moment, maybe the perfect song, maybe the thing and go, you know what? Hey, what do you think about this? You know? Uh, so I'm, I got a, actually a couple ideas here on this next record I'm putting out right now that I want to see if maybe, so I'll probably give him a call and give him a text and just see what he thinks. <laughs> maybe feel him, maybe feel him out. I ain't trying to like put no pressure on him, but yeah, I would, that's like one, maybe one of my biggest, I would, I would be the biggest thing in my life. I would just die if I got to do that. With yeah. You. If I ever got a chance to interview Garth Brooks, I know he's a big Steeler fan. So, and not <laughs> Pittsburgh. So you might have to throw that in Lee. I have I this, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, the different interviews I've done in my career, I've had some major ones, but you know, Garth Brooks would be one probably top 10, top 20. And so, so, well, Neil, if, so if Neil, you, you've been interviewed some pretty big people. If you if, say top if 10, you 20, do yeah. that, I'll, I, maybe I'll put in a good word. Maybe he'll give you a call. Oh, hey. <laughs> Hey, I'd love that. I'd love to have a Zoom with him to be to be honest with you. But hey, well, right. yeah, so, uh, there we go. Lee, we we have a we're creating this friendship. Latest projects yeah. is the new album, right? So tell me about yes. what's yeah. Yes, yeah. We just turned. Uh, so you know, about halfway through this record, all this COVID hit, and uh, um, you know, being uh, quarantined and all the stuff. So I ended up doing a lot of half of this record. I did by myself, vocals and stuff in my own studio. Engineered them sent them off we you know had to make this record in a different style a different way you know not together um send all stuff to a drummer have them send it back um that kind of thing where we normally would never do that but uh you know the record got turned in and i think it's probably going to be the most successful record of my life oh wow um and uh i mean it you know it's kind of we just had a number one with carly pierce and uh, I got a song. One of them girls is just flying up the charts, and it. The only thing that kind of sucks is you know whenever you those are hard to get. You know they're hard yeah, to come exactly. by. You know songs like that on the charts. So when you get them, usually you get it to your shows, and all of a sudden you can feel that song going up the charts, or you can feel a number one when it hits by the crowd. But obviously there's no there's no crowds right now. So oh yeah, that's been that's been difficult. You know, um, but uh. But the record's turned in, and we're going to continue moving forward, and we're going to continue, you know, we're doing the best we can. And as soon as some venues and stuff, and as soon as it's right, as soon as the time is right, you know, we'll be there. I'll be the first person there. Trust me, I'm not 
I'm I, not the one not on the road. <laughs> I, 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 I'm shooting I probably middle of 2021. I'd love it to be earlier, but I just don't feel uh, yeah. I don't feel like that they're going to open up venues. And the ones that open up too early, we're seeing what's happening right now. I can't believe yeah. NASCAR having 30,000 fans. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. But we're, we're, in the, we're in the middle of this pandemic, and we got to get yeah. through it. And you, have you been able to do any performances for your fans during the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I've done a ton of ton of stuff on Zoom, and oh, you know, not Zoom, but you know, just yeah. via the internet yeah. and that kind of thing. I've done a lot, a lot, a lot of different things, not just performances, but we've hung out and we've talked and we've done games and we've done all kind of different stuff. And I've gone and done, you know, some private stuff like say a wedding, you know, where they had, you know, fifty people and they were all spread <laughs> out, and I just played acoustic. You know, it's kind of weird, but. <laughs> But, uh, you know, but as far as the fans go, we have really uh, dug into just finding new ways to do stuff, you know, and I didn't just put my, my phone out there with a camera, you know, I was like, no, nah, that ain't going to happen. So we got, you know, we really set up mics and we got it to where it sounds great. You know what I mean? So if you plug your stuff into a speaker, it'd be booming on the other side. So that's uh, kind of what our, our thing was. Once I did one and I was like, man, that sounded like crap. You know what I mean? It <laughs> yeah. just just the, the quality of, you know, it compresses everything and it cracks out and all this stuff. I was like, that's not going to happen. So we figured out a way to make it sound great. And uh, so that was a big thing for me in the beginning of this. Well, that's fabulous. Uh, people, you cannot wait to perform again, but people yeah. can now check out parts. Is the album completely released right now, Lee? Or wait? No, it's not released. I turn it into the label. So we're talking, you know, I mean, we have a new single out called, you know, uh, one of them girls um, and it's rocking, but the album will probably, probably be a couple months, maybe, maybe eight weeks or so. So I, I need to get a date from the label. I mean, it's so weird these days, like how, lax things are sometimes well, we'll, we'll, figure out. <laughs> like, well that's what happens when you don't have the pressure of uh you know selling out arenas or, or venues yeah right i right. feel for well, you feel for those people right and the, it's just feel, awful yeah i feel for all of them and uh you know it's the same way here i got a big band and family you know a lot of folks that uh but you know they they love me they know i've taken care of them over all the years and so they um they've been really sweet to me about figuring out how to do all this so yeah it'll it'll be this fall record will be out this fall and uh everybody will be hopefully it'll be uh rocking it's gonna be called hey world well you're awesome lee best place to connect with you social media and stuff is our website where yep. do you want to send them man you know you go to lee bryce it's all lee bryce so it's twitter and instagram and and uh the website and so uh pretty pretty easy to find and uh and uh, so we appreciate you having us, man. It, it was uh, it was cool, and I'll uh, like I said, I'll put in a good word for Gar with Garthwood for you. <laughs> oh, you'd be awesome, and then that would be awesome, and you could come on again. We could do a Zoom. They told no Zooms yeah. for you. That's what I was told by the team. So I oh, wanted man, to get you. I'll I'll do a Zoom in a heartbeat. Yeah, let's why, awesome. why don't we just have you and Garth in a Zoom? And I love okay. it. I love it. So, but you'll see okay. what happens. And and uh, I'll, but I appreciate you calling Lee, and you're awesome. Okay, brother. I talk good to talk to you. If you need anything, you holler at us. I will, Lee. Okay, take care. Okay. All right, talk bye bye. You okay, bye bye. You listen to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show, and you know it's funny. Blast from the past. I said I'm bringing the back band back together, and a lot of big news, uh, exciting news, and the how the growth of the network's going, and all these different things, especially uh, a possible comeback that I guess I hinted on a show that's not aired yet with a personal trainer, but I'm excited to welcome the program, author Rob Oliver. Rob, thanks for calling, man, and how are you? Hey, Neil, I am doing fantastic. I, it's, you know, 
COVID is one of those things that it's making it a little bit difficult on us speakers. But in the meantime, I've got a lot of good stuff going on and you got to focus not on what you can't do, but focus on what you can. And that's what makes it successful, man. All right, Rob. So let's kind of just jump right into specifically enough update me since 10 years ago, because I think that's a <laughs> the, the perfect uh, segue into the first conversation, because uh, I don't know if you ever did come on my show. I, so that's where, hey, it took 10 years. Well, we'll make sure we have you back more than that. But tell us, update us what's happened since 10 years ago. But I guess for people that, uh, you know, don't know who you are. Sure. Well, 10 years ago, you and I actually happened to be on the same podcast. And uh, that was how I kind of got my introduction to you. As a matter of fact, uh, a friend of mine recommended that she knew someone that knew you and said, you guys got to get together. And so I reached out to you. And so I don't know, it all got lost in the email and in the <laughs> shuffle, but I, it, it's amazing. We connected virtually 10 years ago and now kind of in person um, a little bit more. But 10 years ago, the reason why I was out podcasting and doing all that kind of stuff was because I had a book that came out. I, Listen, my backstory is this. When I was 21 years old, I had a body surfing injury in which I broke my neck. And so I'm paralyzed basically from the chest down. Oh, my. With limited, yeah, with limited to my arms and hands. And it's, it was one of those things that it really brought life into focus for me. And it made me understand, like, okay, who am I? And does the fact that I can't walk change my value or anything like that so yeah. I my first book was about the fact that hey, life is a journey and I am still walking on the journey of life and following that a friend of mine said to me hey listen your book it's real positive and everything but does everything always work out for you it seems like the book just says in the end it all works out and I said well no not actually so I wrote my sequel which was called still falling um, and the idea there is that a positive attitude and a good outlook don't prevent you from tipping your wheelchair over in the middle of the street. It, you know, life happens, and, and part of being human is that we are all experiencing limitations. We're all experiencing adversity, and sometimes we all fall down. That that's just what happens. And the the next fun thing that kind of happened to me is I've been speaking, doing motivational speaking for you know, over 20 years, but it's always been a side hustle. And about three years ago, I made the change and I'm now an entrepreneur and solopreneur with my own speaking business. So that's kind of the, the quick update as to how I got from where we were 10 years ago to today. Oh, wow. So your own speaking business and before COVID-19, it was going pretty well. Where did you speak? Yeah. So I had a couple different audiences that I really kind of niched into one of them is the medical professionals because listen as a person with a disability I go to the hospital a lot more than I would really like to and as such I've got that patient's perspective on how to deliver quality health care and I'm able to articulate that and share that with medical organizations so you know physicians and nurses associations all that getting in there and being able to tell them about how to improve what's going on, not from not from another professional, but from the patient side of things. And I actually talk about it from the, the understanding that I am a professional in me. Like I know me and 
what we need to do is you need to respect my knowledge of me and I need to respect your knowledge of medicine and we need to come up with a mutually agreeable plan of treatment because if it doesn't work for me, it's not going to be implemented. If it doesn't work for you, it's not going to be effective. So let's agree to work together and, and form a collaboration. And um, another, yeah. yeah go, no, go I was going to say that's, that's great. Tell me about the other form. So I do work with human resources groups as well to talk to them about employment and disability because listen, employment for people with disabilities is one of the, it's one of the major obstacles. When you look at the statistics, the statistics are that in the general population between the ages of 16 and 64, 66 point, I think 4% of the population is employed. When you look at the numbers for people with disabilities, the number is 19.2%. So there are a lot of people with disabilities that are not employed. When, you know, even when you look at the number of, or the percentages of people that are filing for unemployment, the number for people with disabilities is generally between five and 10% higher than the number for the rest of the population. So you're looking at a huge potential population of employees. And then to talk a little bit about, okay, what are some of the obstacles that people are facing and what are the things that, you know, the myth that exists around hiring people with disabilities? Is it going to cost a lot? Is it going to, you know, and just to kind of go over that. And then I do some anti-bullying stuff for schools. You know, this is one of those things. When I was a kid, I, I got bullied and I thought, as a person with a disability, I really understand what it means to have somebody take your power away. And that's ultimately what is happening with bullying. So being able to take that, I wrote a kid's book called Who Me, Yeah, You. The idea is really to impress bystanders with the fact that you can make a difference. That when you don't get involved, you actually are saying that it's okay. And then kind of last is you know just some general inspirational, motivational stuff to talk about the fact that everybody's got issues, everybody's got problems, and the question of are we going to succeed or how are we going to succeed comes from what we focus on. We can either focus on what we can't do and ultimately be miserable and sad, or we can focus on what we can do. And really a team, an effective team, comes from assembling people with a variety of skill sets to be able to accomplish whatever tasks in front of them. That's great. Those are two awesome things. But what happened once COVID hit? You were getting the chance to do lots of speaking, but now COVID. How are you kind of uh, shifted your focus? So it's been a really kind of frustrating experience. And so one of the things that I did was I went and I got certified as a virtual presenter. And I've, I'm able to present from my home. I've got the whole set up with the HD camera and I've got the studio microphone, the whole nine yards. Uh, and so I'm able to do some virtual presenting. In the meantime, one of the things that I had wanted to do was start a podcast. And I thought, okay, now my, my excuse of not having time to do it has really gone away because my calendar cleared up in a heartbeat. So I started a podcast. It's called Learning from Smart People. And my concept for the podcast is that everybody is 
person something. And I can learn from every single person that I meet if I'm willing to listen to them. So we have had everybody from a, a guy who drives a gas truck to a psychologist to an actor to the, the rent the chicken people. Like we've had a variety of people on. And I think that it's, it's really proven the point that you can learn from everybody. So that's, that's one of the fun ventures that has come out of this. And, you know, trying to, trying to make do with what you can. 